Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. The NFL Draft is right around the corner, and we've got another fantastic guest joining us on today's show. That is Michael Lombardi, former longtime NFL executive, general manager for the Browns. Also, I, I had to bring this up. I found this out when I was doing my notes. And Michael was a fellow former FCS long snapper and defensive lineman at Hofstra. So we've got a, a collective of New Jersey guys here on the show. We've got a collective of long snappers. But Michael, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know that things are certainly crazy right now uh, with, with the draft cycle really starting to heat up and everything coming to fruition this this upcoming Thursday. Yeah, but there's probably – there's only – Joe, there's only one athlete on the show, right? It's only right. Matt. So <laughs> clear. I mean, when you play at the level you and I played at, you know, you're just playing because of the love of the game. We got a guy that played at a higher level, so that's always good. So it's good to be here. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I, I well, try to you, pretend. Michael. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, Coming from I try a GM, to pre- that means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I try to pretend that that I was as much of an athlete as as Matt was, but we all know that, that that's not true. Being a being a long snapper, being a specialist. But uh, Michael, we've we've got so much going on right now uh, with all these news and rumors swirling across the the draft landscape. And I, I, just from your perspective, how much do you think for the average viewer, the average football fan? How much of this is real? How much are these rumors, these smoke screens, actually real during this period of time about a week before the draft? Well, I, I think you have to understand where a lot of this comes from. This comes from a, a false place, right? So where do all the rumors start? They start through people that work on the draft that are not in the league, that do the draft for a living, whether it's for the Worldwide Leader or for NFL Network. And so that's the basis of it. And then we've got, you know, if you Google mock drafts now, I think 4.9 million come up. So everybody does a mock draft. And so what's happened is the the reality is the perception of what the mock people are saying has become reality. And so when things are changing, uh, then everybody's saying, well, this guy's slipping or this guy's moving up and all that, when the starting point maybe wasn't as accurate. And a lot of the information is predicated based on what other people think, not what people in the league think. So you've got to really weigh that. You know, people are appalled that the Houston Texans wouldn't draft a quarterback. They're appalled by it. You know, if you look at Davis Mills' numbers compared to Justin Fields without the rushing numbers, they both have won – well, Mills has won five games. Fields has won four. They both have won five games over their two-year career. Mills has thrown the ball better by far. But yet the Bears don't need a quarterback, but the Texans do. So a lot of that is perception and misconception. Mm-hmm. So you just got to weigh it out. Yeah, for sure. Great point. It's it's getting to the point, too, where it's just another March Madness form, right? It's just let's mm-hmm. fill out our brackets and, and see who's actually right. But what we find out after the process is that nobody knows really anything about it except for the teams in that room. Right. Um, for you, uh, put your GM hat back on, my man. Who was the best football player in this draft 
just overall football player, who are you going with? Who's your number Jaylen one Carter. Jalen Carter's the best player, and it's not close. He's yeah. the best player by far. I mean, this whole Will Anderson is the greatest player. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i tried to make him – I mean, I think he's a good player. Right. Is he Von Miller? No. Mm. Is he Bruce Smith? No. I mean, like, I don't know where this is coming from. Watch the tape, you know. But Jalen Carter's the real deal. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and, he, and he can change it. So, you know, the best way to affect a quarterback in today's game – is by getting inside pressure, by getting into the paint, mm -hmm. by creating problems in front of the quarterback, not around them, not behind them. And so Carter can do that, and he's done it at a high, high level. He's done it on a field where there's been multiple number one picks, yeah. and he's been as good a player as any of those. So to me, that's an easy one, just football talent. Now, you've got to weigh the character and the work habits and all that into the pick, but to me, that's a no-brainer. To me, he and Bryce Young are the two best players. If Bryce Young were 6'2", we'd be talking about a generational quarterback. Yeah. But he's 5'10", and that's the only reason why the Bears, to me, traded the pick was because he would he's you could never pass on him if he were 6'2". Mm. You might pass on him because there's no history of 5'10". You brought up Jalen Carter, and I think that Matt and I both agree that he's the best player in this class. He's so talented, but then we had – this tumultuous period at the beginning of the cycle with all the off the field concerns from that front office perspective, when you're dealing with a guy who is really just stands out amongst the group, but has some of those question marks of, can this be a guy who consistently be mature and show up on time and not make a dumb mistake during a game week? How do you approach that? How do you approach making that, that draft decision? Well, I mean, you really, it starts with really understanding the player and defining his character you know, and understanding what you're getting into and can you build a support system around them that will highlight, you know, his strengths and, and help eliminate his weaknesses. I mean, everybody has problems. Uh, you know, Carter, is, the issues are serious on the campus of Georgia. And then the weight gain to me is is another symbolic problem. So you just got to really dig deep into it and make sure you have the correct information. You have to understand that today's world, you're, you, you're not getting reliable information from the schools or from anywhere because it doesn't serve them in the best interest to say that. So you have to find other ways and mechanisms to try to find out who you're getting. The rule of scouting is simply this. We have to know more about the player before we draft him than after. Mm, definitely. Definitely. And, and for the draft this year, what team is it that you see is really one or two draft picks away from, you know, kind of being that middle tier team to being a real Super Bowl contender? Which team is just one, two guys away from picking the right guys at the right positions to, to get over that hump? You know, you look at Washington, and Washington had Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. I think we would be talking about them as one of the better teams <laughs> in the NFC, right? Right, right. So, you know, but they're not going to get a quarterback where they're picking, and they're kind of seemed in love with Sam Howell. I think any team in the NFC that could get a quarterback – uh, the, because we know the NFC, you know, Jalen Hurts is a really good player. Dak Prescott's a good player. Jared Goff's in the top five. I mean, the NFC has a void of quarterbacks, where if the AFC, you've got a lot of really good quarterbacks. It's hard to even get in the playoffs with all those quarterbacks. <laughs> right. I think any team – any team like the Giants or like Minnesota or even Detroit, Seattle, you know, Detroit was a marginal playoff team. They didn't make it. I think they would have beaten Minnesota 
or the Giants had they played a playoff game against them at the end of the year. I think those are the teams that have to have really good drafts. Detroit has two number ones. Seattle has two number ones. I think the Giants are a team, you know, they were nine, eight, and nine and uh, seven and one. And, you know, you look at their team, they weren't overly talented. They re-signed Daniel Jones. Are they going to be good enough? They need a really good draft. They need to keep mm. getting better, younger players on their team. So Detroit's the same way. Detroit got better defensively. But really, when you look at their numbers defensively, Carolina ran for almost 400 yards against them in the, the end of the year. And it could have been about 600 had the safety <laughs> made about two tackles, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think those are the kind of teams. Seattle has closed the gap in the West. To me, they're far and above the Rams. The Rams are an expansion team, basically. Yeah, you know, they they've are. got a really good quarterback. They've got a great defensive lineman. And they've got a great receiver coming off an injury, but other than that, they have no. But they have no other quarterback on the roster but Stafford. They can't. They're they're in such cap trouble. They can't do anything. And then Arizona is a disaster too. So the Seattle has a real chance to make hay in the West. And, and I don't think the Rams have a long snapper right now. So I think either one of you can <laughs> get another shot here. Yeah, you know, I, I, but they can't afford to pass the minimum. They got to take a cut. They got to right. take a vet. You know, we would qualify for the for the veteran scale. <laughs> right. Rams, I mean, they have no money. Oh, I mean, no. That thinks, I, I'm shocked that Sean went back. I mean, this is not a fix it up, put a couple patches on and get out there. I mean, this is truly a, 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 a going to be a, a tough team to take. No, they traded Allen Robinson, not that he played well for them, but name the other receiver, Van Jeff, Von Jefferson and Cooper Cup coming off a knee, and then who else? Ben Skoranek. going to get hurt. Right. It's amazing. So from that angle, like the Rams are, it's really complex trying to fix that. I, I know it's a really broad question to ask, but how long does it take to fix a cap situation like that? It seems like they're just selling away everyone that they can to, to fix it. Yeah, I think to me it's going to come down to when they – look, they didn't want to pay Stafford the $57 million that they owed him, but they had to. They tried to trade him. They couldn't. Yeah. Nobody was willing to take on that contract. So they got stuck with it. So they dug mm -hmm. themselves a deeper hole. And if Stafford can't play this year for injuries or suffers another injury, that hole is going to get even deeper. And it's going to be harder to get out of because they had to commit to that. They went all in to win the Super Bowl, just like Tampa Bay went all in to win the Super Bowl, too. Tampa Bay's in really cap trouble, too. They only have four yeah. players that they could go to to get a lower cap number. One of them, Shaq Barrett, he's not healthy. Mike Evans, you know, could they do something with him? We know Devin White, they want to trade. So. Yeah. It's a tough – when you go for a Super Bowl and you win it and you put all your chips in the middle of the table, mm. there's consequences. And the rewards are great. You win it. But the after effect is harder. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, but at the same time, can't really blame them either. They got it. They got the Super Bowl win. And it is just one of those things. They rolled the dice. They got the W. And, of course, we're just in that media presence right now where we're so just day-to-day -day by the weather of the day that we lose this fact, the, sack, the, the sight of the fact that – they are a Super Bowl champion team, and, and they really kind of can't take that away from their, you know, resumes going forward. But it, it is fascinating. Um, as far as this draft goes, uh, what is uh, just, you know, one team that you think is going to be, you know, potentially trading with Arizona to get into that three spot? I don't think a team wants to trade up. I think, you know, Matthew, wow. you do quarterbacks. You know, every quarterback, including Bryce Young, and his only issue is height, right? If, like I said, if Bryce Young was 6'2", we'd be talking about a generational talent. For sure. We'd It'd be, be Joe Burrow all over again. 
we'd be talking about Joe Burrow all over again, right? Exactly. Yeah. Took the words out of my mouth. But everybody else has got some issue. Yeah. You know, whatever that issue is, Richardson doesn't throw from the pocket, doesn't throw in rhythm. Will Levis handle poise under pressure. C.J. Stroud, the offense at Ohio State. Tell me Ohio State quarterback who's running that offense and has come in and played well. I don't want to hear about Justin Fields doing that because he doesn't throw the ball very well. So they all have problems. Mm. So why would I trade up to, get, to give an asset away when everybody, anybody I take is going to have a problem? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not getting a clean player. That's why I think Bijan Robinson's going to be a top 10 pick because he's one of the clean players in this draft. Even though people say you can't take a running back that high. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's okay to pay Keenan Allen all that money at receiver, but it's not okay to pay Eckler. Eckler does more for the Chargers than Keenan Allen does. Oh, I know. I know. It's amazing. I mean, is Bijan at the running back position? Is he a generational player for the running back position? Because we we devalue uh, as a football society now the running back position where when I was growing up in the game, you know, it was just dominated by like the Corey Dillons of the world, right? Like every year, every game, hey, let's watch Corey Dillon. He's going to rush for 2,000 yards again this season, you know. Uh, what do you yeah, think about I, I that? I think you have to reclassify it, Matthew. I think it's really who's a weapon. So yeah. Eckler, 107 catches, you know, averages almost 10 yards a catch. Red zone production. You can run with the ball. I mean, when you can play on all three downs and protection and do all that, you're a weapon. And now all of a sudden, like McCaffrey, you've become a matchup nightmare. Now I can keep that back in the game. You know, say a team, say a team that even – say Detroit drafts you know, Bijan Robinson, and they've got, you know, they've got Swift, and you got two backs you can interchange. Yeah. And so now you're in base personnel, but really you could be in three receivers. You can move them around. You, you, you have to draft weapons. You can't just draft a position. You know, how many yeah. receivers are busted in the first round that don't end up playing very well? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you could trade for Cortland Sutton, Sutton tomorrow from Denver. You could trade for Jerry Judy, a first-round pick. You got to get guys that can change the game, and and that's the running back position. They have to do more in the passing game. When when the Rams were great, Todd Gurley averaged ten yards a catch. I mean, that's what ar- you want. arguably the MVP of the league that year. Should right? have been, I mean, absolutely. It really probably should have been the MVP. That and, and, and because of his impact in the passing game, and it wasn't screens and draw, it wasn't screens and flares, right? Yeah. It was. He had an impact. It's the same thing. You know, if you're going to pay Saquon Barkley, he's got to be really good in the passing game. Now, he's improved his pass protection, but mm-hmm. there was a time during his career he couldn't pass protect, right. which kept him off the field. So, like Kamara, his protection's good. He's a weapon. But yeah. you need another back to go with him because that because you're getting more out of him. So I, I think Robinson's value, when you look at it in that term, mm-hmm. is really good. Whereas if you just say, well, he's a running back, no, that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. Michael, last yeah. question. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead, Joey boy. Uh, last question that I had was we talked a little bit about the uncertainty at this this quarterback position for the draft. And one guy who really piques my interest is Anthony Richardson, who's just a massive question mark. He's a big, big time project because of his newness to the game. He, he doesn't have a lot of reps underneath his belt, kind of like what happened with Trey Lance coming into the NFL, except Anthony Richardson's coming from the SEC. For a guy like that, that is going to take time. What do you see as what needs to be around him for someone like that to succeed? A very raw quarterback. You know, when I first saw Anthony Richardson, Joe, I said, this guy has a chance to win the Heisman, but I thought he would need to go back and play in college. Like coming out this early, I think is a mistake. I really do. When Lamar was a sophomore at Louisville, my son was on the coaching staff there and I would watch every one of those games and I would tell Matthew, my son, I'd say, just play the other kid. He's more ready to play. And by the end of that year, 
against Texas A&M in the Music City Bowl. Lamar had his coming out party. And then next year he won the the Heisman. And that was really – and then he came back for another year. And so I was hoping Richardson would go back with Billy Napier, play another year at Florida, and really develop. Like right now he's a year away from being a year away. Like he's so raw. Yeah. There's no way you could put him on the field. You, it's like Malik Willis. I mean, Malik Willis has the distinction of the only quarterback I've ever seen in my 40-year NFL career who got benched mid-series in a preseason game because yeah. he was affecting the offense. He was affecting the other players. You couldn't evaluate the other players on the field because he didn't really know what he was doing. Mm. Yeah. And so to me, Richardson, you, you, I mean, at the end of the year, everyone said, including you, Joe, he needs another year. Now we're getting to the draft. We've played no more games, and people are saying, how are you going to magnify his talent? Well, it's going to be hard to because he's so raw. It's going to take a year to get him just ready to be able to compete. Like, you can put him out there and let him run around. That's great. But, you know, look, I mean, we, you, Justin Fields has fumbled 28 times running around. Like, it's, you can, he's won five games, gained 1,000 yards running around. You know, he averages seven carries a game, eight carries a game. But he's been sacked 91 times. For, I mean, for put, an average put, seven yards a sack. How do you do that? <laughs> that was awesome, by the way. But all right, so say you're the Indianapolis Colts. You know, you're you're the you're the general manager of the Colts right now. You draft Anthony Richardson. Are you saying play him right away, or are you saying you couldn't no. play him, Matt? Yeah. You Matt, you would hurt the other players. You can't stand in front of the team as an, as a head coach and say it's we're going to put him in the game. We're going to win games. He's the best player. You got to be able to have credibility with the locker room. Right. They all see his talent. But yeah. they know he can't handle it. It's just not fair to the kid either. You're going to put him out there, and he's going to get sacked. He's going to get the crap beat out of him. He's going to get you know you you can't execute the offense. He's not going to reroute the protections. He's not going to do all these things. It's going to happen way too fast. So, mm-hmm. to me, that's why I think Levis is going to be their pick at Indianapolis. To me, if I were the if I were the GM of the Colts, I'd sign Lamar Jackson. Mm. Well, Michael, Ooh, we know you got a man. Hopefully they can get it. I like that a lot, though. <laughs> I like that a lot. Why would I not take a player that I know is good and t- or take yeah. a chance on a player that I'm not sure is good? And a player that's definitely totally underrated as far as a passer goes in the NFL. Underrated. I don't know what it is. Like Nobody respects him as a passer, and the dude is a really good thrower of the football. He and, really and, is. And just and you, limited scheme-wise as far as what they've done in Baltimore a little bit. I think it's been horrendous. And I think if you really understand Lamar, that where he wants to throw the ball in the middle of the field, when he had Hayden Hurst and he had Andrews, he was really good. Right. But if you keep trying to make him an outside nine thrower, that's your fault. And that's what Baltimore kept trying to do. He's an inside-the-numbers thrower, and he's more effective than you think he is. Like, this knock that he can't throw it is a complete joke. It's just all perception. Meanwhile, Justin Fields can throw the ball. You know, he's a great thrower of the football. Where? I haven't seen it yet. Like, come on, tell me the and, and somebody drafts Trey Lance, the third pick overall, off of what? Uh, Did you uh, watch the Houston preseason game last year where they had to take him out? I mean, they yeah. had to call Jimmy Garoppolo back because they knew he couldn't play. So, yeah, for sure. To me, so I, I was I was hoping they were going to call me, man. I was like, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is wild, and I think mm-hmm. you make some fantastic points. My father and I were talking about the Anthony Richardson the other day, and, and I thought. We both leaned on the play him, play him and just learn through the mistakes, you know, but we're seeing it more so as like there's no such thing as as bad experience. You know, at the same time, too, we're looking at it from like the coach lens, not necessarily like the front offense lens, you know, but it's like I'm like, we'll, we'll make the, the offense super simple. We'll run RPOs, QB runs. 
quick game stuff, very simple reads, one side fields, not full field progressions, all that kind of stuff. And, and we talked ourselves into being like, if we're drafting Anthony Richardson, we're just going to play him day one, ready to go. Yeah, I just can't see how you do it. I think it, the other it affects the yeah. rest of the team because no, that's you know, a great point. You got to you know look look. It's like you know Chicago can't win any games. I mean, think about this: when Lamar went in 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 2019, the Ravens were four and five. Yeah, he took over the starting job. They won six of seven games. They lost to Kansas City. Tyreek Hill made this incredible third and fifteen play, like no one else on the planet could have caught that ball, mm-hmm. and he did. And they beat the Ravens that day in Kansas City. That, that he Lamar could throw it. It's your point. Everybody just whereas this kid's just not ready to play. Absolutely. Well, Michael, we know you got to get out of here because you got a lot of things going on leading up to the draft. Really appreciate you taking the Thank time you guys. and it. and it really means a lot. And I'm sure we'll check in with you again soon. Anytime. Uh, I appreciate it, Matt. Good seeing you, Joe. Thank you so much. I get you a long snap and tape out. We'll compare. Them <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.